0: Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. Well, this past July, Lori and I celebrated our 36th wedding anniversary. And I would say that in the early years, oh, thank you. (laughs) In those early years, which is the last 36, we have had our disagreements That happens, right? We have had hard times to get through, suffering, heartache, trials, disappointments, difficulties, and it may be that we're not seeing things eye to eye at that particular moment. Now when you think about it, aren't all marriages that way? And and you get this feeling like, well, there's good and bad seasons, and we go through the bad so we can get to the good again. What if that's not exactly true? What if in our seasons of life, there are good and bad at the same time? That there are blessings and there is suffering operating at the same time, things that we say, you know, this is a real blessing, but we're also struggling here at the same time. What if there is provision and lack at the same time, rejoicing and weeping? so we stop and ask, where is God blessing me and providing for me, and where am I suffering and hurting? And when you begin to go in that direction, you begin to make sense of suffering in our life. Well, today we're going to look at the issue of suffering. Now, I know this is homecoming. You think, we're supposed to be celebrating the church, and we're talking about suffering. Well, this is a letter that we're following that is the Apostle Paul writing to a church, And we're also not shying away from the Word of God, so we're going to just keep going. This is uh, from the letter to the Colossians. Paul writes this letter while he himself is suffering. In fact, he has been experiencing much suffering since giving his life to Jesus. He's been beaten, flogged, in and out of jail, not for doing the wrong thing, But on account of his faith in Jesus Christ, there's a mob that seems to follow him from town to town, or is at least waiting for him when he arrives, and it begins riots. He's been shipwrecked, homeless, and he finds himself in jail now, in Rome, when he writes this letter to the Colossians. Now, look how he begins this section. Now, I rejoice in what I'm suffering. How many of you don't rejoice in suffering? People who are suffering and write music, they aren't peppy dance tunes, right? Now here the Apostle Paul is saying that he's suffering, so he's not denying it. But look at what he's saying he's suffering in. I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, the sake of His body, which is the church." Now, let me start with this statement, suffering is confusing. How many of you have found that to be true? Why is this happening? What's going on? What's the point of everything that I'm I'm going through? Paul could certainly have asked that question, all that he had been going through, all that he had experienced, and now here he is in jail on behalf of Jesus. Let me go back in Paul's story a little bit and remind you of how he got here. Jesus came down and met with Paul, recorded in Acts chapter 9. It was their first one-on-one. Paul was a man, up until that day, hated Jesus and hated Christians. Jesus had already died, risen, and ascended back into heaven, and he returned for this little meeting with Paul. And this is where Paul became a Christian. You know the story, the blinding light that Paul, on his way to Damascus, letters in hand to oppose, oppress, arrest, maybe even kill Christians. And he was stopped in his tracks, literally, as Jesus speaks to him. And there are two things in that conversation between Jesus and Paul that weigh in on this section of suffering from God's Word. In Acts chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus asks him, Why do you persecute me? You see, what's happening is Paul was persecuting the Christians, Jesus was in heaven, but The persecution of Christians on earth was felt by Jesus in heaven. What that means is when you suffer, Jesus feels it. How many of you love someone so much that when they're suffering, you're suffering? Jesus loves you so much that when you're suffering, He's suffering. And the second thing that Jesus says in this conversation is recorded in that same chapter, Acts 9, verse 16, that part of Paul's ministry is that he was going to have to suffer for the name of Jesus. So Paul is telling us in in this one verse that we saw that when you suffer, Jesus suffers. And part of what it means to be a Christian is that you may very well experience suffering for the name of Jesus. You know, so much about our life today is about avoiding suffering. You cannot avoid all suffering, so what do you do when suffering comes? We can go through our whole life without knowing how to deal with suffering. To my knowledge, there's no class in high school, there's no major in college on how to suffer well. I'm sorry for what You've been through. I'm sorry for what you may be now going through. I'm sorry for what fears you have for what's ahead. But I do know that suffering came to Jesus Christ. And it's going to come to Christians. Just because we've said yes to Jesus doesn't mean we have a protective bubble so that no harm, no pain, no suffering will ever attack us again. And you must know this as well. There are different kinds of suffering. These are all mentioned in the Bible, by the way. First, there is endemic suffering, which is basically we live in a fallen world. So, it's natural to experience suffering. Sin and death are now a normal part of life. Things break. People die. Things don't work. And when that happens, it's not God picking on you personally. It's just life in a fallen world. There is also demonic suffering, which is Satan and demons attacking you, lying to you, oppressing you, harming you. This is what the Bible refers to as spiritual warfare. There is also victim suffering. This is where you didn't do anything, just someone did something of harm or evil to you. There is disciplinary suffering. This is where God, like a loving parent, knows that you're doing things that are going to lead to harm yourself or to harm others, and He is issuing a corrective to get you back into a wiser, healthier path. And this is all about Him loving you. There is also persecution, suffering. This is where you're suffering simply because you love the Lord Jesus. There are stories of this around the world as someone comes to Christ, but their family is so opposed to that that they are persecuted. They may even be considered dead to the family. Or it may be not as as harsh as that, maybe just in your workplace or in a conversation, a situation arises and you try to bring up Jesus in the middle of that, well, those people are opposed to Jesus, so it's being poured out on you. Sometimes there's punishment suffering. You committed a crime. Or the Bible's way of saying it, there are consequences. You reap what you sow. And sometimes there's mysterious suffering. Meaning, we just don't know. We don't know why. Sometimes you don't need to know. You just need to know the one who knows. All this to say, again, that suffering is confusing, it's complicated. Sometimes it's all my fault. I cause my own suffering. Sometimes it's partly my fault. Sometimes it's not my fault at all. Now, Paul is suffering. He's in prison for serving Jesus, and he's suffering multiple types of suffering. But here's what we observe about the Apostle Paul. He's honest about his suffering, and he's not letting, he's not allowing his suffering to define who he is, because how you respond to suffering defines who you are. Now, when you and I are suffering… Isn't it true that there's one question that we go to more than any other, and we want to ask, why? But it's not particularly helpful. The problem with the why question is that it can be as if we are putting God on trial. This is a hard season, Jesus. Why are you you taking me through this? Why are you allowing this? And just so you know, Jesus doesn't go on trial by us. So we've got to be careful when we ask the why question that we are not trying to sit in God's seat. Better than the why question, what about these questions? All right, Jesus, how can I learn through my suffering more about you? How can I learn through my suffering to be more like you? Jesus, you went through a hard time. How can I rely more fully on you during my hard time? Or how about this question? Jesus, who can I help that's suffering like I've been suffering? And in this room today, there are people who have pains from your past that you've not yet healed from and moved forward forward from. You know, we have the saying, time heals all wounds. That's partly true. Given some time, given some gap between the event and, and now, whatever time frame that is, can help ease the pain some. But Jesus is the only one who can heal all wounds and there are some hurts, there's some brokenness that you need to have Jesus work on from your past so that you can move forward. For some of you, this is a very difficult season right now, and I want you to know God loves you. He is the only one who can speak life, real life, into you. Point number two focus on Jesus and others. Here's where he goes with this passage. I have become its servant, that is the church, the church of Jesus Christ. I have become the church's servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory." When Paul uses this language of mystery, it's not something that isn't known now. It was previously unknown, but now it has been unveiled. It is now known. It's like something is behind a curtain, and you can't see it until that, that curtain is, is separated. And now you know what was, back, what was back there. This mystery was this, that God began a work through a man named Abraham Abraham who became the first Jew, because before that he was a Gentile, a pagan, and that Abraham would become a nation, the Jewish people, and through them would come the Savior, Jesus Christ. And most of the people who worshiped Jesus, who worshiped God in the Old Testament were Jews. Some exceptions, Ruth, Rahab. Most of us in this room, I would declare, are not Jewish. We're the dirty Gentiles. So the mystery is, Jesus comes and makes a third race. Not just Gentiles and Jews, but Christians. And Paul comes with that message. Because that, that race of Christians is comprised of both Jews and Gentiles. And as Paul comes with that message, he gets opposition from the Jews because they don't want to associate with the, dirty Gent- with the dirty Gentiles. And he gets opposition from the Gentiles because they don't want to worship a Jewish Savior. Paul is caught with hatred and opposition from both sides at times. But here's the point sometimes you can say the right thing and do the right thing and still have opposition and persecution. So when Suffering comes. Here's what Paul would say. Be a worshiper. What happens when we worship? What happens when we worship while we are suffering is that we now place the consequences in God's hands. Every child of God has an opportunity to be a worshiper in the midst of their suffering, and what that does is reset our identity. Because when you're suffering... When you're hurting, it's really easy to allow that to become your identity. Paul says in verse 26, we are the Lord's people. That means you are loved by God. He has set you apart for His purposes, and in verse 27 that Christ is in you, that is the presence and power of Jesus Christ working in you and through you, so as a worshiper, My identity is not in my suffering. My identity is in my Savior. Point number three, when you are suffering, share what you are learning. Here's Paul again. He, that is Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing, teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ to this end, I strenuously contend, Paul's saying right there, I struggle. To that end of making Jesus known and so that everyone can mature in Him, I struggle with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. The first thing you need to know here is that you are in ministry. If you're a a Christian you're in full-time ministry. You and I have the same power of God available to us at work in our lives, so wherever you live, whatever you do, you belong to Jesus and you bring the presence of Jesus with you. That means you're there to represent the Lord Jesus. You're there to love, serve, forgive, bless, be a life giver, bringing the presence of Jesus into the place where you are. Here's what Paul is alluding to, that ministry is not a job. It's a lifestyle. And because of that, there are going to be many disruptions and interruptions, and you're going to need energy, an energy, Paul says, that comes from the presence, power, power. In person of the Lord Jesus. The next thing we need to know, what Paul is alluding to here, is that your greatest ministry a lot of times comes through your deepest pain. Let me say that again. Sometimes your greatest ministry comes through your deepest pain. Paul has experienced much pain, and out of that has grown a great. Ministry. Before Him, obviously, the ultimate was Jesus who experienced suffering and pain and had the ultimate and greatest ministries. Here's what this means. Sometimes the worst part of your life is the best place for your ministry. This is where the Bible says we can comfort others with the comfort we've received. Have you lost someone that you love? Then you're most helpful to someone else who is losing someone they love. Have you battled cancer? You are in a unique position to empathize and sympathize with someone who is facing that diagnosis. Some of you may think, I can't do ministry, I've made mistakes, I've committed sins. If you've brought them to Jesus and you've grown in wisdom and you've learned from them, that actually qualifies you, not disqualifies you for ministry. There's only one person who was ever perfect and got it always right and we killed him anyways. For the rest of us, <laughs> we're going to make mistakes. We're all sinners. And with God's grace, We're going to learn from them and use that in ministry to others. Now, look, perfection is not attainable in this lifetime, but progress is possible. And that progress is contingent upon how well we are walking with the Lord. So that brings us to the final point of staying with Jesus. Here's this last section. It's a little bit longer section. These verses... Paul writes in the second chapter of Colossians, Now, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you. There is that word again, struggling. How hard I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea. And all for who have not met me personally. Paul has not even been to Colossae. But he's writing to them to encourage them. This is a, a church that's fairly new. And he's not wanting them to get sidetracked. He says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this, so that no one may deceive you by finding By fine-sounding arguments, for though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Here's what he's saying. For you to mature, three things. One is teaching. Life happens, and we don't always know how to interpret it. Even when we're suffering, or maybe especially when we are suffering, we need Jesus-centered instruction. So that's not only you being with us in worship on Sundays, but putting yourself in a position, maybe through Sunday school or small group, and especially on your own. Are you studying the Bible on a daily basis? Are, Are you learning about Jesus we provide scripture passages on the back of the bulletin for you to read throughout the week in preparation for next week. Do you have a Bible? If not, we give them away for free. They're on the back wall of that sound booth. Take one as you leave or download it on a smartphone. Use the U version is very popular. Teaching, know what God's word says. Second is relationships. Paul speaks of them being encouraged in heart, united in love. So, to be encouraged, to be united, who are you processing with? Who are you praying with? Who are you learning with? And through those relationships, those are the people who help change you and mature you. And then the third piece is discernment. He says people will try to deceive you with fine sounding arguments. In case you didn't know this, most everything you read and hear on the internet or out in the world is not true and factual. There are false teachers. There is false doctrine. There is bad instruction. What you need then is discernment. To go along with your Bible reading and the relationships is to then be able to say, you know what, that thing that I'm hearing? That thing that somebody else is believing is not in alignment with God's truth. So what do you do with all this today? You live, even in the midst of your suffering, in a way that is good for you, good for others, and brings glory to Jesus Christ. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.